ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. It is getting serious. The Sport Daily Top 20 Countdown sees us edging towards the biggest story of 2023. Part one had a fan favourite on the comeback trail, a controversial investigation into some of the biggest names in Australian sport, the arrival of a star of the future, as well as a sensational story of athletes being wrongly accused. What might we see here as we go from 15 down? You are about to find out. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. A reminder again of the three criteria was the story Australian. Did audiences consume it in droves? Did it own the sporting conversation and make an impact? And that takes us to number 15 on our countdown. And it's a story that just made us smile. In case you haven't been on social media in the last hour, let me remind you that we are living in the era of the individual. So how retro it is to see two of sport's most individual athletes deciding to share. Pole vault might be one of the most lonely sporting pursuits in existence. Aside from being clearly an individual discipline, the moment where it's determined whether you are successful comes on the end of a pole suspended nearly five metres in the air. You are quite literally out on a limb. When 26-year-old Bustleton-born Nina Kennedy tossed herself over the 4.9-metre bar in Budapest this year... Kennedy for a national record to put the pressure on. Yes! Oh, yes! Oh, yes! She thought she'd just taken down Olympic champion Katie Moon right up until the American matched it. No one would have expected two women to clear 490 on the same night in the same competition, and we still don't know whether it's an American or an Australian taking the gold in the pole vault tonight. Failed jumps at the next height meant a stalemate. They could lower the bar until one failed or or they could share. It would need to be a mutual decision and they'd need to negotiate in front of the whole world on live television. All the officials were around us. All the cameras were around us. And I felt like every single eyeball was looking at that conversation and, like, everyone was trying to lip read what we were saying. But I kind of said, girl, like... Do you just want to, like, share this? And the relief on her face just kind of said it all. And I was like, okay, yeah, like, let's just share this. We're both exhausted. She's a weapon in the sport. You know, she's an Olympic gold medalist. She's a world champs gold medalist. And I didn't think she was going to want to share it. I thought she would have wanted battled it out. It seemed like she maybe didn't want to jump. And that's when it clicked in my head of, oh, we could share this. And I was, at that point, the fatigue was starting to set in. The thought of a jump off was really daunting. It was just an immediate, like, yes, we need to share this. And I wasn't sure if she wanted that. And so I kind of said it tentatively. And then she was like, are you sure? It was, yeah, it was kind of funny because I think we were tiptoeing around it. But we ultimately wanted the same thing. And it just took somebody being like, you want to (laughs) share? Yeah, it just, it feels like its own special thing. I will certainly never forget this one. (laughs) Not so much feel good. It's kind of feel great. At number 14. A story that we're seeing many sports grapple with as they struggle with how to best navigate trans inclusion. It was a random Tuesday in April when a Basketball Australia press release dropped out of nowhere, announcing that Lexi Rogers' application to play in the NBL 1 was denied. The trans woman had been blocked from her attempt to pursue a career in elite basketball in Australia. I am Lexi Rogers. (laughs) I'm not non-existent. 
got along pretty easily with people, played a lot of sport and endless sport. So that was always a, a fixture. And yeah, it was pretty, pretty standard stuff. This followed prior decisions at the time by bodies like FINA, swimming, world rugby and world athletics, which chose to ban trans athletes being involved in women's competition if they had gone through male puberty. Basketball Australia had convened an expert panel to try and make a ruling on the Rogers application, and that panel had some serious people. Dr Peter Harcourt, BA's Chief Medical Officer, Susie Bakovich, a former Olympian for the Opals and now board member, and Associate Professor Diana Robinson, who has decades of experience in sports health. There was a strong level of credibility when they finally handed down their decision to deny Rogers. What was less strong was a willingness to engage the community around their decision. We asked why the panel had made this finding. BA wouldn't say. It just detailed in their press release a range of factors and said future applications will be made case by case. And what was interesting for the ABC Sport Daily podcast is that not only was BA declining to comment on the story, no one wanted to talk to us about it. Journalists, ex-players, commentators, you name it. It doesn't appear to be a conversation that many have the capability, or will at least, to navigate right now. Story 13. When Australia knocked over South Africa to win the Women's T20 World Cup in South Africa, one of the low-key plot lines was the fact Meg Lanning was back leading the team to another tournament victory. In August of 2022, the skipper was so sick of cricket, she wasn't serving up cover drives. She was serving up coffees as the batter took a mental health break. Lanning had barely returned. Here she was lifting her latest World Cup. Catch it. Backing back, backing back. That's the catch. The five-year master plan has come to fruition for Australia. They have what they came for. It's the World Cup title. It seemed normal service was resumed for Australia's most successful cricket captain. Then, in November, she announced she was done with international cricket at the age of just 31. Why was that? I guess I feel like now I've got nothing left to achieve on the international stage. And um, for me, I, I can't be half in or half out with anything. And uh, I guess that's, that's where I've landed with this decision is that I, I, I no longer have the, the spark or um, motivation to do what needs to, to happen at, at this level. We spoke to ex-Aussie batter Michelle Gosco about the news the day it broke. As we said to Michelle, legacy is a bit of a cringe sporting buzzword and it can kind of get thrown around so loosely, but it's got to be relevant here. The legacy that she leaves is massive. Such a good leader. As I said, she had to learn on the job initially and the successes probably weren't there initially for her, which probably made it a little bit more difficult as well. A young person into the team, a young leader, and trying to lead a side that had some transitioning players can be quite difficult and quite hard. She has certainly set the standard for captaincy around the world. She is someone, if you ask every single member of that Australian side, not one bad word will be said about her. She just sets a standard, does it quietly. She doesn't need to be an animated captain. You can just see she's got ice running through her veins and everyone loves her. And and that's the one thing. You go, man, I'm disappointed that she's retired because we don't get to see her in that international circuit anymore. Number 12. And speaking of legacy, if you talk to people from the Sydney Swans about Lance Buddy Franklin, you'll often hear them talk about the dual personas that make up the biggest rock star the game has known in the past two decades. There's Buddy, the tattoo-clad, swagger-filled, fist-pumping on-field idol. Hewitt came in from the side and Franklin gathers. You're kidding. 50 from home, barely looked at the sticks and kicks the goal. A bit of Buddy brilliance as the Swans immediately answer back. And then there's Lance, shy bordering on reclusive, family-driven, intensely private. 
It's a contrast that sums up his 19 years in the AFL, simultaneously universally recognised and utterly unknowable. This was underscored by the enormous media turnout for his retirement press conference in August, which he didn't even attend. Compare that unease to the way he reveled in the wave of people and affection that swept across the SCG in the 2022 season when he kicked goal 1,000. He rode that surge of euphoria across the ground in a moment that might come to symbolise his impact on the game. He's done it! (laughs) A legend joins the Immortals and achieves a feat we'll likely never see again. And the fans have rushed the SCG. Buddy and Lance both eventually fronted a packed SCG in the final home and away game of the Swan season. A misty-eyed lap of honour followed an emotional farewell to Sydney fans who had loved watching him play. Lance Franklin makes his way up the Paul Kelly race. It's a loud applause. And to be fair, there'll be 40,000 here at the SCG. And I reckon, uh, well, well over three quarters of those fans have stayed in their seats because they're aware of how special this is. He's going to walk the SCG just with his with his kids by the side of him. In front of your adoring fans, stepping onto the SCG for potentially one final time. How are you feeling? Pretty overwhelmed. <laughs> like, what a turnout. Like, I, I am definitely going to miss this. Like, it's absolutely incredible. And I, I, thank you for all being here today. It's a special, special time. Uh, to have my, all my family, friends here, and then this support here is just incredible. So thank you, guys. I mean, who knows if or when we might see a player like that again. Story 11, it's not your normal premiership tale. Side by side, step by step. McRae's Magpies are on top of the AFL world. They win a spellbinding game of footy. There's generally something visceral about a Collingwood premiership, a footy club with an army of loyal supporters and an even bigger group wishing them ill. Well, that was the old paradigm anyway. This premiership story is different because of the Magpies' ability to make neutrals hand over respect and even gulp affection. To deny this Collingwood team is anything other than likeable would have to be churlish, wouldn't it? They weren't hurt by the fact this grand final was among the finest we have ever seen. 55, side bottom, launches, goals! Sheer joy on the face of every Collingwood supporter, player, (laughs) official at the MCG. A nail-biter in every sense as they knocked over Brisbane. Whether it was feel-good McFly, a.k.a. coach Craig McRae, and his endless good vibes. The captain Darcy Moore with long white hair and a new age mentality. That's an iconic life moment right there and in the lives as well of so many Collingwood supporters. Norm Smith bolter Bobby Hill, whose backstory includes a brush with testicular cancer. Turns, looks into an open four. Oh. Bobby Hill! This has been the oh. best granny I've seen ever for highlights. <laughs> How good are the highlights been? Yeah. It's been incredible. Bobby Hill cashes it in. Or American feel-good story, Mason Cox. This was a victory littered with positive stories. 23 coming here, nine years in the system. Probably about three almost delistings uh, and trades and whatnot. 
pretty astonishing too when you consider not that long ago it was a club on the end of a do better report into cultural missteps while negotiating a fire sale of its playing list such was the mismanagement of their salary cap things are looking pretty rosy right now for the magpie army that is it for part two of the top stories of 2023 we have got 10 more to go you know it's only going to get better. That's the way countdown lists work. It it increases with interest as you go. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sports Daily, produced by Declan Byrne. Thanks to SBS, Fox Sports, the Under the Surface podcast, and Collingwood Footy Club for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.